last week I was starting to lose it, and then in the evening service I lost it completely, and then all this week I've been uh, drinking as much tea as I could get, uh, all kinds of tea, tea with honey, ginger tea, uh, anything that I could get my hands on. If it was tea, I was drinking it and trying to get uh, as much as I could back my voice to be ready for this, uh, for this morning. And uh, so it's still getting there. It's not all the way back, but it's uh, good enough for this morning. So 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, and uh, we're going to continue our series on I Can. We said that in this series, we're focusing not on what we cannot do as Christians, but what we can do, what God has empowered us to do. And I hope you've been encouraged by it, but I hope you've also been challenged by it because there's a sad reality in the Christian life, and it's this reality, that sometimes as Christians, we don't always live as we ought to live, doing what we can do. And that's why it's so important uh, in this series to focus on what is it that we can do and that God wants us to do. And, uh, and so as we've looked already in the book of Philippians, we've seen that we can do all things through Christ. And last week we looked at how as Christians we can forgive. Uh, no matter what it is that we face, no matter what circumstance or someone has wronged us in a way, we can always forgive. And God has given us the power to be able to do that. And this morning we want to look at the fact that as Christians we can overcome. And uh, there's much to overcome in our world and in the Christian life. Uh, much of it is overcoming. And we want to see how God uh, has enabled us to be overcomers. So 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, and we'll read verses 1 through verse number 6 as we'll be studying this passage. And let me just say before I read it, if there's anyone here this morning that's still not received the notes, uh, go ahead and raise your hand and the ushers will do their best to get you the notes. And that way you can follow along as we study God's word together. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 1 through 6. It says, Now I, Paul, myself, beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence and base among you, but being absent and bold toward you. But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with you with that confidence, wherewith I think to be bold against some, which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. The idea this morning and the truth that we want to learn about is that we can overcome strongholds in our life. We're going to learn about what is a stronghold. But we're also going to learn that God has enabled us to be able to overcome the strongholds in our life. But before we do that, why don't we pray and ask God to bless this study. Let's pray. Father, this morning as we get into your word, I pray that we would be able to be illuminated by your spirit. That Father, as we search your scriptures this morning, as we study the scriptures, I pray that your spirit would be actively working in our minds and in our hearts. 
Father, we need you this morning for without your Holy Spirit, there's no way that we can understand your word. But now I pray that your Holy Spirit would not only work in our hearts, but Father, that you would work in me. That Father, you would fill me this morning, that I would be able to communicate this truth in a way that would be clear, in a way that would be understandable. But Father, in a way that would speak to our hearts. And then, Father, as we not only understand your word, but may we also apply it. As the book of James reminds us that we are to be doers of your word and not just hearers only. So I pray that this morning, as we study your word, that we would be able and ready and receptive of it. And that, Father, you would work now in these next few minutes as we worship you through reading and studying your word. And we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.
Well, when it comes to the Christian life, there is a reality that every Christian must be confronted with. And that reality is that in the Christian life, you're going to have battles. You see, the Christian life is full of battles. It is a spiritual warfare that is waged against wickedness in high places. Every Christian, if they're truly living the Christian life, will face times of war. In fact, the scriptures say that uh, a good soldier of Jesus Christ will suffer persecution. He'll have battles in his life. There will be warfare that he will have to confront. And in this warfare, there are things that are known as the Bible calls strongholds. There are these fortified strongholds that need to be defeated if we're going to win the battles in the Christian life. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, the Apostle Paul is facing such a battle. To give you a little bit of the context that's happening here, this is the second time, at least, maybe the third or fourth time, that Paul is writing to this church in Corinth. And as he's writing in the first nine chapters that we have in this second book of Corinthians, we, we see a, a a tone of the Apostle Paul as he's encouraging the believers, as he's exhorting the believers, as he's instructing the believers. But in chapter 10, he changes his tone. You'll notice if you read chapter 10, 11, 12, and 13, you'll find that the Apostle Paul begins to, to be a little more confronting of what is going on there in the church at Corinth. There were some battles that were waging there, and there were battles that were very serious, battles that Paul was going to eventually have to confront. And Paul takes the opportunity now, as he's finishing off this letter that he's writing to the church, to go ahead and get started in confronting some of those problems of what was happening. You see, what was going on was that there was people there in the church at Corinth that began to doubt what Paul was doing. They began to doubt the authority that Paul had as an apostle of Jesus Christ. They started to attack Paul personally. They started to attack him in his ministry, what he was doing. And it's amazing that much of the criticism that Paul had wasn't from the outside world. Though he did face a lot of battles where uh, people that were in power in different cities wanted him to stop preaching. He was facing people that didn't like the message he was preaching. There were some that were very indifferent to the message. You'll notice that when he went to preach at Mars Hills and in Athens, Greece, there was many that just thought what he was teaching was just another religion, and they were very indifferent to what he had to say. But much of the, uh, the battles that he faced at the church in Corinth weren't people that were not saved. Interestingly enough, it was people that were saved. It was Christians that were there in that church that began to build up some strongholds there uh, at the church of Corinth to try to resist Paul's teaching and to try to resist the fact that Paul was called to be an apostle of God, one that had spiritual authority there in the church. Now what's interesting is that Paul was the one that founded the church at Corinth. 
He was the one that went to the city. He was the one that began to preach the gospel message that salvation is found in Jesus Christ alone. It's not by works. It's not by uh, a religion and Jesus. It's by Jesus alone. And as he's preaching that message, people begin to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul's able to start a church there in the city of Corinth. And as he begins this church, he begins to not only get people saved by preaching the gospel, but then he begins to disciple them and grow them and establish a church there. He begins to teach them about the Christian's responsibility as to studying the Word of God, the Christian's responsibility as to prayer in his life, the Christian's responsibility as to giving to God. You know, that's part of the Christian's responsibility of worship is to give to God. And sometimes people want to get away from that. They say, well, I, I love God. I don't have to give him the offering for, for God to know that, that I love him. But Paul says, listen, it's through giving that we prove our love. It's like saying, um, I don't have to tell my wife I love her. She knows I love her. I married her. Yeah, but it's by telling her that you prove that you love her. It's by doing those good works for her and by, by being there for her that shows and proves that love. There's, there's more to love than just saying it. There's also the, the doing part of it. Uh, the showing and demonstrating that love. So how is it that this man that founded the church now is having people within that church begin to doubt him? How is it possible that after Paul had spent all this time in that ministry, in that city, reaching people with the gospel, that now some of those very same people there are beginning to doubt his message and doubt his teaching and doubt his authority as an apostle of God? Well, let me just say that the answer is found in the fact that there were strongholds that were beginning to be built up there in that church. And this morning, as we study this passage, we're going to share some truths about overcoming strongholds. Because strongholds are very real in the life of a Christian. Now this morning, I want to first of all start with the structure of a stronghold. What exactly is a stronghold. I've mentioned it two or three times already, but what is a stronghold? What do I mean that there's a stronghold beginning to rise up here uh, with the church of Corinth? Well, the word stronghold is the Greek word akroma, which means castle or fortress or a fortified city. Now, it's interesting that Paul uses that word because the first example we see of this is in the book of Joshua. And there's a city there that many might be, uh, if you uh, grew up in a church, you, you might know the city of Jericho. But the city of Jericho uh, was a big fortified city. Uh, the walls of Jericho were so big and so thick that people that lived in Jericho could have their house in the walls. <laughs> That's how big it was. In fact, they said that you could get two and, or even maybe more than that chariots running side by side on the wall. I mean, this was a very thick wall for that city, and it surrounded the whole city to protect it. That was known as a fortified city, and Paul uses that same word to describe what a stronghold is. It's a fortified city. It's something that is, is there as a castle, as a fortress. And, and, and Paul begins to describe that what these men were doing was, was putting up these strongholds. These strongholds. Now, to make it at its bare minimum, a stronghold is something that is based on an idea. 
Paul here is not literally talking about a city, a fortified city. He wasn't saying, hey, inside the church building, they're building these walls that I can't get around. It wasn't a literal wall. There wasn't bricks and mortar and cement that was dividing him from the people at Corinth, but it was a spiritual fortified city. It was a spiritual stronghold, and the spiritual stronghold begins with this idea, an idea that is, that is done there, that is given, that is believed. You see, some of the people there in the church of Corinth begin to spread this idea, this idea that is Paul really doing the work of God? Is Paul really the one that you need in your life instructing you about what the word of God says? Is, is Paul really that guy? And they began to uh, sow these seeds of doubt, this idea, and many of the uh, people there at Corinth, this wasn't the majority of the church, but there was uh, uh, a faction of the church, a group of people there, that were just starting to doubt uh, Paul's authority on the matter. And they were saying, you know, Paul likes to, to write all these things about how, what we should do and how we should live, and, but who gives Paul that authority? Who does Paul think he is? And it's amazing as they begin to criticize Paul. And let me tell you something. Uh, one uh, evidence of a stronghold in someone's life is that they become very critical of the people of God. You find somebody that's always really critical about the pastor and really critical about the church, and you'll find that there's a stronghold in their life. It's one of the evidences of it. And Paul begins to share with them, listen, there's a stronghold coming up. And, and one of the strongholds and ideas that they were saying was, you know, Paul, he, he writes uh, really big and tough in his letters. But he said, but when you see Paul, when he came and, and, and came to Corinth and he started this church, and when he's come, have you seen Paul? He's very weak. He, 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 he looks like a man that's not imposing at all. He, he's not even that big of a guy. I mean, uh, there, there's really nothing to be scared of when it comes to Paul. He, he's, he's always really quiet when he comes. He, he doesn't really talk about the authority that he has. He doesn't, you know what, he doesn't act like the leader. Begin talking about that uh, and like that about Paul. And, and you'll notice that Paul, when he starts writing there in verse 1 and verse 2, he says, listen, Let's not confuse meekness with weakness. You know, the, the world looks at meekness, and, he, and, the, and they interpret that as weak. You know, Paul would come into the church, and when he was there in Corinth, he was always loving with people. He had something good to say. He wasn't always telling them about the accomplishments that he had in his life. He wasn't walking into the church and going, hey, you know, I, I just got done praying for four hours. How, how much have you prayed this morning? Uh, Probably not as, long, not as much as me. You know, I just memorized this week three chapters of Scripture. How, how much have you memorized yet? Nothing. Huh? Yeah, I didn't think so. Probably not. Paul wasn't there trying to show off what he was spiritually, and, and people misinterpreted that and said, oh, you see, he, he's just weak. He's real quiet. He, he's not a leader. And Paul, in verse number one, says, listen, whenever I come to you, I come in the meekness and gentleness of Christ. Meekness is the attitude. Gentleness is the way. Meekness is self-control. That's power and self-control. Paul was saying, yeah, I could go in there and say, well, I'm the Apostle Paul. Don't you know how many churches I've started? Don't you know what I've done for Christ? Don't you know how many times I've been in prison for the cause of Jesus Christ? Don't you know how much of the Bible I know? Don't you know that I was the one that founded this church? And don't you know I, I know more than all of them combined? 
And Paul said, but that, that's not how I come to you. I, I come in meekness and gentleness of Christ. But don't confuse that as me being weak. That's why he says, I can be bold if I need to be. But you know, the secret to bringing down strongholds is not found in boldness. You see, because strongholds are not something physical. It's an idea. So they bring this idea about Paul. Man, Paul is weak. Man, I don't know if Paul is able to continue teaching you the great truths of God's word. And, and these strongholds begin to come up. And, and let me tell you something about strongholds. Not only are they based on an idea, but they're always exalted above everything else. You'll notice that they were putting their ideas above everything. And let me just say that a stronghold really isn't attacking a person. Paul wasn't really just personally being attacked here, though they were saying this about him. But what was really being attacked was the gospel of Jesus Christ, the ministry of God. Any stronghold in our life isn't really attacking something else or someone else. It's always attacking the kingdom of God the person of Christ, the gospel message. Uh, we find here that Paul was, was here trying to explain to the church of Corinth, listen, there are those that are saying these things, but I want you to know, he says that though we walk in the flesh and though you see me, and yes, I, I may be physically weak, don't confuse that with how you take down a stronghold in your life. He said, these strongholds in Corinth, you see, are not going to be taken down with physical strength, but with spiritual strength. That's why he says in verse 4, the weapons of our warfare are spiritual, and they're mighty through God. So, the structure of a stronghold is this. It's an idea, an idea that we exalt above everything else. Now, let me just say that strongholds can be good, and strongholds can be bad. There are good strongholds in life. For instance, there in your notes, look at Psalms chapter 18, verse 2 and 3. It says, the Lord is my rock and my, look at that, fortress, my stronghold. The Lord is my rock, and you can say, and my stronghold, and my deliverer, my God, my strength, and whom I will trust. The psalmist says, you know, the stronghold in my life is God. See, the stronghold, a stronghold is, some, uh, is a place that you run to when you're under distress, when you're fear, fearful about something. Just like a, a, when you're under attack, you fall back to the strong city. That, that's why the people in Jericho, uh, they weren't going to go and fight the armies in the open field. They said, well, you come and try to take us out. We have the walls. You've got to try to penetrate our walls. This is a fortified city. We're going to be safe in that city. And so a stronghold, a good stronghold, is a place that when we're being attacked, we go back to it. And so the psalmist says there's a good stronghold in God. A stronghold, an idea that is exalted above all things like God is my rock. That's an idea. He's not literally a rock. It means his, his strength. And he's my deliverer. That's his power. And so this idea is, the stronghold in my life is God is the one that I run to when things go bad, when I'm in distress. He's the one that I'm going to trust. And he says there in verse uh, number uh, three, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. But you know, strongholds aren't always good. You know, there are also bad strongholds. 
And the example in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 is a bad stronghold. A wrong idea. Now there's an example of that in Acts chapter 5 with a story that might be well known to many people with Ananias and Sapphira. Ananias and Sapphira were a couple that they went to church. A couple that by all standards on the outward appearance seemed like a really good couple, a really good Christian family. But they begin to have an idea in their mind saying, you know what? We see everybody in our church and they're giving and, and they're selling everything they have and giving all the profit to God. And you know what? I'd like to have some of that honor. I'd like to have some of that recognition from my church. And so they decide to build this stronghold of saying, I'm going to sell everything I have and then I'm going to give some of it to the church and I'm going to tell them that it's everything. Just so I can get that honor. Just so I can have that position at church and that recognition. And you know what happens? There in verse number three, you'll find that Peter confronts them and says, listen, you haven't lied to the church. You lied to the Holy Spirit of God. You lied to God when you did that. That stronghold was not an attack on the church. It was an attack on Christ. And so that's an example of a bad stronghold. And you know what? There in the Corinthian church, we find that there's a stronghold happening. The idea that Paul, Paul might not be the one. Paul's not the one that can help you. Paul's not the one that can teach you these truths. So from that, I want you to notice the danger of that kind of a stronghold. Paul begins to share with them the danger of it. You see, just as much security as there is in a good stronghold, there's a lot of danger in a bad stronghold. You can get the wrong idea in your mind and in your life and you can exalt that wrong idea so much that you put it above God's ways and you begin to make that something that you live on something that you follow after and let me just say that many times as Christians the reason we don't live the Christian life as we ought to is because of the strongholds that we formed in our life because we start to believe the fact that I don't have to be totally surrendered. I don't know if they really mean that when they say that. I don't know how true the Bible is when it says that. By the way, strongholds have been since the beginning of time. It wasn't something that started in Corinth. It wasn't something that started with Ananias and Sapphira. If you remember in Genesis chapter 3 that the serpent came to Eve... And he started to build a stronghold in Eve's mind. He said, hath God said that you cannot have that tree? And she's, well, well, God said we can't, we can't touch it. We can't look at it. We can, no, we, we, that's what God said. And then he built this idea in her mind. Well, God, God knows that if you were to eat of that, you'd be just like him. See, God's holding out on you. There's a lot of people in our world that have that kind of stronghold mindset. God's holding out on me. A lot of Christians sometimes buy into that philosophy. Why can't we do this? God's holding out on us. Why can't we live a life and go to the places that other people go to? Man, God is holding out on me being happy. God's holding out on me having fun in life. There's an idea that begins to grow and there's a the danger in there. Let me just give you a quick definition. I think it's in your notes of a, a bad stronghold. It's faulty thinking patterns based on lies and deceptions. That's what got Eve. 
a stronghold in her mind, a lie from the devil. And she believed that lie and she was deceived, the Bible says. Why is it so, why is it so dangerous to have these wrong thinking patterns in our life? Well, first of all, because it begins to work on our pride. You notice that those that were criticizing Paul begin to sort of make fun of Paul and make themselves a lot bigger and more important than Paul and, and saying how great they were and how lacking he was. You can see the pride coming through as Paul is, is describing what he plans to do when he gets there. He says, I know y'all think I'm weak, and I know y'all think that uh, I can't really, ha I don't have the authority, that God's not given me this ministry. And y'all think because y'all look at me and you start judging me on the outward appearance that I have nothing and no power of God. But let me tell you, he says, my power is not on the outside, it's on the inside. It's not carnal, it's spiritual. You'll find that a stronghold not only begins to work in people where they're criticizing everybody, but it begins to work in their pride. You know, a lot of the root problem with criticism is because it's based on pride. And there's all this pride coming through in the strongholds of our life. We begin to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think of ourselves. It's interesting, in Romans chapter 12, and verse 2, he says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds. He said, you need to change your minds on the way you see things, the way you look at things, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God uh, Paul says, you, you got to change because the battle's up here. There are strongholds. They start here in your mind because of their thoughts. They're wrong thoughts. They're based on lies and deception, and you need to renew your mind. And then he says in verse number three, it's interesting, it's there in your notes. He says, for I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Paul says, be careful with the strongholds in your mind. You need to be renewed. You need to be changed. Why? Because those strongholds begin to work on your pride. Begins to tell you and you begin to believe this lie, I'm greater than I am. I'm a better Christian than most Christians around here. Maybe I'm not the best. Maybe I'm not Paul, but I sure am better than so-and-so. That stronghold begins to work itself in pride in your life, and then it begins to blind you to the truth. Strongholds will always blind you to the truth. You see, a wrong or a bad stronghold is based on a lie and a deception. And any time you believe a lie, there's no way you're accepting the truth. <laughs> Pastor always says this, and he's so true. When you have rejected a truth, all that's left to believe is a lie. There's nothing else. And Paul says, you know, the danger of the strongholds in our life is the fact that it blinds us to the truth. You're not able to discern a situation. You can't really see it clearly. Paul's ministry here was being attacked, and therefore the gospel was being attacked, and, and it was all because some of the people there at Corinth were blinded to what Paul was doing, blinded to the power of God in Paul. And because of that danger, strongholds begin to be built. And this is what makes strongholds so dangerous. 
Today, there might be strongholds in our lives, and we might say, well, I haven't been criticizing anybody in this church, and I haven't really criticized the pastor. I mean, you know, I, I don't have these kind of strongholds in my life. But, you know, strongholds are not just when you criticize somebody, like the church or something, and start doubting what God is doing, doubting the message, doubting God's ways. But strongholds can be things such as being unteachable. You ever found somebody in the Christian life that feels like they know it all? I already know those verses. Oh, I already heard that message. Oh, I don't know that I need to really go to that Sunday school class because I've already heard it all. Be careful. That's a stronghold of being unteachable. When you get into that mold in your life, when you feel like, I don't need church anymore, and I don't need that Sunday school teacher anymore, and I, I really don't need to read this every day, and I don't really need to take time as much as I used to because now I know these things. That's a stronghold of being unteachable. There's strongholds of being unforgiving. You know, someone does something to us and we can't let it go. You know, strongholds, they can be, if they're good, a city of protection. But if they're bad, they can be a prison that you keep yourself in. A stronghold of being unforgiving is a stronghold that keeps you as a prisoner because you can't let it go. There are strongholds sometimes in life where we begin to live unholy because we won't separate from the world. We begin to justify it. We begin to reason in our minds. We begin to say as young people, well, nobody really even watches me. It really doesn't matter what I do with my social media. It doesn't really matter what I see. It doesn't affect me. It doesn't matter what I listen to. It's just music. It's not a big deal. And the devil begins to put some strongholds in your life. And soon in your life, there is no separation between that which is holy and that which is not. You know, God brought judgment many times. If you read the Old Testament to the people of Israel, he brought it many times because they would not discern between what is good and what is bad. Because they couldn't discern, they couldn't see clearly because of the strongholds that they had built up in their life. There was no more separation. They couldn't discern what was holy and what was unholy because of the strongholds that they had. I don't know what strongholds you might be facing this morning. But can I say, if you have a wrong or a bad stronghold, it's dangerous. You'll see it work out in pride in your life. You'll see it begin to blind you to certain truth of God's word. So what are we to do? What are we to do when we find that there is a, blind, uh, a, a, strong, a stronghold in our life. What is it that we're to do? Well, this morning I want you to notice that Paul tells us of how to destroy the strongholds in our life. You see, those strongholds are strong and fortified cities. You can have victory over them. Jericho still came down, no matter how thick the walls were. No matter the fact that there was no other nation that was able to do that, yet Israel was able to do it. And it was amazing. They didn't use not one piece of armory. It wasn't because they had a catapult that was throwing big rocks. 
It wasn't because they were able to burn down the walls. You find that that fortified city was still destroyed. And strongholds in our life, just like Jericho was destroyed, strongholds in our life can be destroyed. And I want you to notice just two truths that Paul gives us in this passage. And there's more that if you keep studying, you can find more and more. But I want you to notice that first of all, the way that you're going to destroy the stronghold in your life is through humility. I love the fact that Paul, even though he was being attacked so viciously, Paul says, listen, I came to you, and when I come to you, I come in meekness and in gentleness of Christ. Paul was always mindful of the fact that, you know, I, I'm, I'm not coming with these guns ablazing and like, hey, you, you respect who I am. No, no. Paul said, I, I'm not coming in that form. I'm coming through humility. If you're going to tear down any stronghold in your life, listen, it's going to start with you having to be humble. Humility, some have defined as knowing who I am before Christ. I love what it says there in 1 Peter 5, 5 and 6, there in your notes. It says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. After challenging the pastors there, in the beginning first three verses, or actually first four verses, you find that now Paul admonishes them or encourages them to have humility, to be humble. Let me tell you something. Humility always involves submission. A lack of submission in the life of a person is a sure sign there's no humility in that life. It always involves submission. Paul said, be submissive one to another. And then I want you to notice that humility always involves service. Because he says there in verse number 5 or verse number 6, he says, and be clothed with humility. It's something that you do consciously, purposely. Job says, we came in naked into this world and naked we're going to leave. In other words, we, we come in with nothing. And Peter says, just like you came in with nothing and you got to be clothed, you got to put on clothes, the same thing is when it comes to humility. you got to put it on. You're not born with it. There's no one in here that was born. Well, Pastor, I was just born so humble. No, the opposite happened. We were born so prideful. And humility is the complete opposite. And that's why we have to ask the Lord to help us to be humble. That's why he says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. To be humble. To ask, uh, God, help me to have a right attitude and being submissive to one another. Phillips Brooks, a very well-known pastor in the 1800s, made a comment and he said, the true way to be humble is not to stoop until you are smaller than yourself. He said, but to stand at your real height against some higher nature that will show you what the real smallness of your greatness is. I love that. Sometimes we think, oh, humility, I just got to be real quiet and be, you know, just walk around like, no. It's not walking around scared or shy for or bashful. No, humility is just saying, listen, I know who I am in Christ. I'm going to come into meekness. Even when I'm getting criticized, I'm not going to lash out 
tooth for tooth, eye for eye. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go and respond on social media and tell them how bad they are and how much better of a Christian I am. No. I don't respond in that manner. But I respond in humility. I remember how much God has done for me. And the fact of the matter is, I'm not great in myself whatsoever. But I measure myself according to His standard and I find how small my greatness is. There is no greatness there. And then he said the second truth is that we must submit our thoughts to biblical thinking. Notice there at the end of verse number 5, he says, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Since a stronghold is an idea, an idea that is exalted above so many things, above everything else, Paul says the way you defeat that is by getting your thinking submitted through humility to the way Christ sees it, to the obedience of Christ, submitting our thoughts to biblical thinking. Bob Jones Sr. used to say, you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can stop it from building a nest there. (laughs) Sometimes these thoughts of being independent, sometimes these thoughts of, "I I don't need to go to church anymore, they come into your head. I don't feel like it, I'm too tired. You don't know what she said to me, you don't know what this person did to me. And this church is just full of hypocrites. And, and all these thoughts come into a, a person's head. And, and listen, you can't stop those thoughts from coming. Sometimes the devil begins to try to tempt you like he did with Eve and say, well, did God really mean this? Is God really doing this? If God is so good, why is this church like this? And everybody's a hypocrite but you. And we ought to take time when those thoughts come to say, is this a thought that would honor Christ? Is this a thought that I need to continue giving breath to? Or is it a thought I need to kill? The way I kill it is through the obedience of Christ. In other words, we pass every thought and idea through the prism of the Bible. The word there, when he says in verse number 5, casting down imaginations, that's the word legismos, where we get the word logic or reasoning from. Paul says we need to take down those strongholds that seem so logical to us, that seem so right, but they're blinding us to the truth of God's Word. He said you've got to take those things down and pass them through the test of the Bible. Pass them through the way of, is this what God wants us to do? Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. You know, when I get into a stronghold where I'm passing my thoughts through that of Christ, through the obedience of Christ, I find that those lies and deceptions are hard to hold up. It's a lot easier to let go of things that have happened to you when you say, man, look at what Christ did for me. It's hard to stay in the dumps and depressed when you think about how much we can do and have as Christians. Everlasting joy, contentment, blessedness. Man, all these things that come with just being a Christian and being in Christ. It's hard to be depressed when you're, when you're thinking about that. Those strongholds will keep you alive. They'll keep you vibrant. Unlike the strongholds of the devil. You know, I heard a story of a safari hunter who was startled by this loud screeching of a bird when he was hunting that he saw. And when he got 
sight of the bird, he began to notice that this bird was just flying around this tree and, and he was going kind of crazy. And so he started looking at the tree to see what, what was going on. And he saw that there was a snake that was going up to the tree. And at the top of the tree, there was the nest where this bird, you could hear the little birdies that they were in the nest, the, the chicks there of that bird. And seeing the snake go up, this hunter probably could have killed that snake and helped the bird out, but he was so enthralled by the drama here, he didn't even think about picking up his gun to shoot it. He was just watching what was going to happen. And he watched as the snake continued going and climbing, and finally this bird that was going crazy leaves the nest and goes and gets this leaf and puts it on top of the nest, on top of where these chicks were at. And then it flew away. And it was in the next tree looking at the snake going towards that nest. And as the snake finally gets to the top, he rears his head and he looks into the nest. But instead of going at the chicks and biting them and eating them, the snake just looks and then he goes down and didn't do anything. The hunter was so amazed at this, he he didn't understand exactly why, and he wanted to know why the snake would do that. And so later that day, he went to some of the locals there, and, and he asked, listen, I, I saw this happen, and I'm wondering, why did that snake leave? And the locals told him, well, you see, that snake is a certain type of snake that there's a leaf that if that snake were to touch or eat, it's poison for him. He said that bird went and got that leaf, that poisonous leaf, and he put it right on the chicks. And now, the snake couldn't get them without having poison and killing himself. And instead of doing that, he just left them alone. Do you know when we get into a stronghold where we're passing every thought through the obedience of Christ, it's like that poison to a snake. The strongholds of the devil aren't going to hold up. They can't really do anything. We find that the stronghold of Christ holds true. As you pass those thoughts through the obedience of Christ, you find the destruction of the wrong strongholds in your life. You know, this morning, we look at strongholds. We've talked about various different ones. I don't know which is the stronghold in your life that you need to tear down or which is the one in your life that you need to build up. But I encourage you this morning, take time today and ask God, God, would you help me for the strongholds in my life that need to be taken down? Help me to have humility to be closed with it and help me to pass every thought through the obedience of Christ so that I might see these, these strongholds come down in my life. Maybe there's some strongholds that you need to start putting up in your life. Quit believing that you don't need the Bible. Quit believing that you don't need God. Can I say, if you're here this morning and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, that's a stronghold that the devil is trying to keep you from the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And this morning you can find freedom. This morning you can find the truth that your soul has been searching for. You can find a right stronghold in your life. And it's found in Jesus Christ. This morning, I want to encourage you. Build good strongholds in your life and tear the wrong ones down. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. And 
Father, thank you so much because in it we find the power that is mighty, the weapons of our warfare that are mighty through God. I pray, Father, that this morning as we, as we take time to allow the Holy Spirit to search our hearts and search our lives, that we would find strongholds, Father, in our life that need to be to torn down. And may we have the humility. And Father, may we be receptive to the truth that we might build up the good strongholds in our life and tear down those ones that are keeping us away from your truth, from your joy that you bring. Father, I pray that you would work in our lives even this morning. As the pianist plays just one song, perhaps here this morning you're, you're saying, Pastor, there's some strongholds in my life that I need to tear down. Man, there's some lies that I've been believing that are keeping me depressed and they're keeping me bitter and they're keeping me unteachable and unforgiving. Would you just pray that God would help me to tear down those strongholds in my life? Would you pray for me? Is there anyone like that? Just raise your hand. I'm not embarrass you. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. I see those hands. God bless you. Perhaps you're here this morning. And there's a stronghold that the devil's been holding in your life, and that is the fact that you have yet to put your faith in Jesus Christ. You have yet to believe in him as the only way, truth, and life. God offers you eternal life through Jesus, and perhaps today that is the decision that you need to come to. That's the stronghold you need to tear down and come to a stronghold that will keep you safe and protect you. And that is salvation through Jesus Christ. Perhaps that's your decision this morning. Say, I, I'd like to know how Jesus can become my stronghold and be my Savior. If that's your decision, would you raise your hands? Anyone like that? Father, you've seen the hearts of those of us that this morning say, Father, we need your power with the strongholds of our life. Oh, Father, I pray you'd work even this week, work in our hearts and work in our minds. I ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.